Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. As we start our message today, and actually a brand new series called Seeing God, I just want to speak to you just for a couple of moments. And first of all, I want to say to our LFC family, and and if you're a guest, you can listen in too. Thank you for all of your love, your support, your prayers, your encouragement, your sacrificial financial giving, and all that you're doing to touch your neighbors and make sure that your family is safe and healthy. Uh, So many of you have written to us and emailed us and thanked our staff and our volunteer team. So I just want to say thank you for thanking us. And thank you for making a difference in the middle of this season. I mean, eight months plus now, we've been online and we've been doing our best to, to share the Word of God with you, our Tuesday night study in Psalms. In future, we'll be studying other books as well. We've had some amazing drive-throughs. We just did uh, Glow this last weekend for kids and sharing with them and their family. Uh, we're helping people. We've got some plans for Christmas time to make sure that families that are in need are well taken care of. So if that's you, let us know. We can't take care of the whole city, but we can take care of some. So let us know how we can help you. And also, if you're willing to be a giver, maybe you have some uh, non-perishable items or maybe you have some, some finances you'd like to share, call our office because we want to continue to be the heart of Jesus to people in our community. So thank you in advance. And in the coming months, I have a sense that God is going to continue to unleash the full force of the body of Christ, not just our church, but the body of Christ all around the world. And we are continuing to serve the Lord and make room for all that he wants to do. So thank you. Thank you. Let me say it again. Thank you. Now, this series is based on Job 42, verse 5, that says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Or in the Good News translation, it says, In the past, I knew only what others had told me, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. You know, my prayer is, as we go into this series, some of you have heard of God. Some of you know about him from other people. Some of you, well, somebody's encouraged you to watch church with them. I know one lady who started coming to our outdoor venue, and she said these words to me. This is the longest I've ever gone to church. I thought, wow, we haven't been doing it that long, only since August. But for her, it was the longest period of time that she'd been in church. Others of you are watching with your family and your friends. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for being there and not turning this off. I appreciate that. But I'm praying that you would not just hear about God, that you would know God, and that you would actually see God. Now, back in 2009, a video game app came out, and it was called Pocket God. Pocket God. Now, after six-plus million downloads and the latest uh, game update back in 2017, 
We understand that people were playing this on their iPads and on their Facebook back in in 2010. They started doing that. And what's this all about? Well, it's in a genre called God Games. And it's where you get to play the part of God. The way it's advertised is, what kind of God would you be? What kind of God would you be? Now, on this game, there's a group of native islanders, and you can change the atmosphere. You can uh, cause it to be cloudy or rainy, lightning to strike down upon the island. And you could actually shake your phone if it was a phone app game, and you could actually get rid of the islanders. They would all just be dispersed away. And uh, the snakes come and eat the islanders, and turtles come and eat the islanders, and you get to determine what happens to the islanders because you are God. And this game begs the question, is God really in control? Does God really care? Because it, it can feel sometimes like God is out of control. The universe is out of control. You see, in difficult times, it can either feel like God is powerless to help or he's powerful and doesn't even care. Now, in this season, a new thing has come into being. It's called tears. Yeah, we, we have the, the purple tear, the red tear, and the orange tear, and frankly, some of us are teared out. We're just done. It's a different kind of Thanksgiving. It's a different kind of Christmas. It's going to be a different kind of New Year's and New Year's Eve. I mean, I knew something was up many months ago when the Tournament of Roses parade canceled the Rose Parade, one of the most premier parades in all the country. I actually marched in it twice. <laughs> Pretty amazing parade. But when they canceled it, I said, something is going on that's bigger than we can understand. Now, we first learn of Job He's coming to that moment in his life where he's asking God questions. You see, the beginning of the book of Job, he's living the dream. He's living the life. Everything is up and to the right. It's going so well for him. He's comfortable. Everything is going just perfect until a servant comes. And his servant says to Job, Job, all your sheep and all your goats and all your livestock have been killed along with all of your servants. Now, in those days, there was no insurance companies. There was no government bailout, no stimulus package, no PPP. Uh, he wakes up to find nothing is normal and nothing is predictable. He's lost it all, all. It can't get any worse than this, can it? Well, just when he starts thinking that, another servant comes on the scene and says, Job, I don't know how to tell you this, but your sons and your daughters and all of your children, they were at your oldest son's house and a great storm came and the house collapsed and all of your children died. He's lost everything. Job, in all his success, cannot think that this is true at all, but it is and watch what Job did. Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Job stood up and he, he, he tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head 
and fell to the ground and complained and whined and screamed. No, 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 no. He worshiped. He said, I came naked from my mother's room and I will be naked when I leave. And the Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Job, what an amazing man. That he did not want to violate his love and his trust in God. And in this moment of loss and grief, he still worshiped. You see, Job was a worshiper before the bad things happened, which allowed him to be a worshiper in the bad things. Job worshiped before grief and loss hit. Now he could worship in the midst of grief and loss. And here's something I'd like for you to note. Job acknowledges God's power and God's sovereignty, and he puts his faith and his trust in God. This is the main point of the message. He acknowledges God's power and God's sovereignty, and he puts his faith and his trust in God. Have you done that? Will you do that? Will you keep doing that? Hey, Job, his friends come to him. How did you make God so mad that he did this to you? You must have done something, I mean, just horrible. And then Job 2.9, his wife comes to him. All the kids are gone, and here comes his wife. She's grieving the loss of her children too. And she says, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? It can't get any worse than this, can it? But Job keeps his faith, and he starts to ask some questions. He begins to question God. Let me paraphrase. Do you even care about me, God? Are you really in control? Can you even see what's happening to me? Because it doesn't feel like it right now, God. Maybe you've asked questions. God, don't you know what's going on? Can't you take a look around, God, and and, and see? Do you care? What about the economy, God? What about my economy? These months have made us more vulnerable, and we're more fragile than we would have ever wanted to admit. And Job asked the question. I think he's asking him questions not just for himself. I think he's asking God questions for us. God, you care about my marriage? You care about my child with learning disabilities, God? Do you care? You care about cancer? You care about the cancer that's returned? God, do you really care about unemployment? Could you please just explain yourself to us, God? Where are you and what are you doing? God, can you explain our infertility? God, can you explain the child abuse? God, can you explain the rejection? God, can you explain the fact that he or she is not willing to change or they won't grow up? God, can you explain why there's such division between myself and friends that I've had for years? God, what is going on? God, could you really explain this pandemic? We've heard from so many people. So many different angles, so many things, but can we hear from you, God? And in Job chapter 38, God's had enough of all of these questions from Job, and now he speaks to Job. But listen, 
He does what God often does. He doesn't answer. There are times in your life and my life where God just simply doesn't answer at all. Instead, he begins to ask questions. Questions that will cause Job to get the right perspective of life. Job 38, verse 2 and verse 3. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man. I mean, this is God telling Job, you better brace yourself, Job, because I have some questions for you, questions that you must answer. Brace yourself like a man, because I've got some questions for you. Hey, Job, were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Were you there when I started to put this whole entire earth together? Because I don't remember seeing you there, Job. Were you there? (laughs) I know you think you know a ton, Job, but where were you? And what about the oceans? What about the oceans, Job? You determine how much water that the oceans can hold? Or how'd the water get there in the first place, Job? After all, you're so smart. Hey, Job, when does the sun rise? You can't look it up on Google, Job. You, 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 you can't look on your phone, your smartphone, and find out tomorrow's sunrise. You know when the sun rises, Job. Or Job, can you comprehend the vastness of the earth? I can hold that whole earth in my hand, Job. But what about you? Hey, Job, what about the snow and the snowflakes? How many snowflakes fall in any given winter or any given year? And on which continent do they fall the most, Job? Do do you know? And Job, how does light travel? How does light move? And Job, do you have the power to move the constellations around? Do you know how they fit together, Job? I do, Job. I put them there. And so God asked these questions about the details of the universe, and here's what becomes clear, and catch it. God knows what we don't, and God understands what we can't. God knows what we don't, and God understands what we can't. And as we look at the universe, all the details and all the just finite intricacies, that's a hard word to say, (laughs) of the universe. Do not reveal a God who does not know what he is doing or a God without control. It's an intricate world, isn't it? It's an intricate universe. Now, we love to see rocket launches around here, and Team Vandenberg does a phenomenal job. They do such an excellent job. But let's imagine a control room. This is a NASA control room out at Vandenberg. And let us imagine a control room in heaven. You see, here's what we know about rockets. They don't launch by chance. They're designed, they're engineered, and they're built by people, people who live in our neighborhoods. Some people actually are part of LFC. Yay! But they don't just launch by themselves. In that control room, there are people who go through their list. They read the list. I've been there before. 
I've sat in the control room during a launch and watched all the intricate pieces go together. You think the universe just got here by chance? (laughs) You know, in my research, I found this statement. It's called the teleological argument. And here's what it asserts. That design demands a designer. Design demands a designer. And just like you would never get into your car, sit down in the seat, and turn the key on, and pretend that your car just showed up by itself one day. (laughs) You know about cars. There's a design. There's a designer. There are people on the assembly line that put the car together. It just did not get here by accident. How about I share it this way? Let's suppose, when you can, you travel up to San Francisco and you look out and you see the incredible Golden Gate Bridge. Now, let's pretend you have your kids with you or your grandkids with you, and you come up to this view, and you tell your kids or grandkids, hey, one day this bridge just, it just appeared. It magically appeared by chance. It just blew itself together. Man, your kids and grandkids would think you're an imbecile to say that. The work that went into that bridge. The people that lost their lives building that bridge. The design. The intricate design. You see, our world and our universe is infinitely more complex and ordered than a bridge or a car or, or your computer, or whatever device you're, you're watching this message on. What does it mean? It means that in moments like these, we have a confidence that God is in control. And though we live in a fallen world that is riddled with disease and disappointment, and though we live as humans in the human condition, God is still working all things together for good. Now, I could take the next hour or two and talk to you all about how this universe works. If the planet Earth was just 5% closer to the sun, then we would suffer the same fate as Venus, and it would be like 900 degrees on the planet. If the earth was just 10 or 20% further away from the sun, then we would have the same fate as Mars, and things would begin to freeze over. Think about the earth in the relation to the sun. It's not just distance, but in size. The sun is a million times bigger than the earth. I know we think we're a big deal, But the sun is a million times bigger than the earth. So you could literally fit 1.3 million earths inside the sun. Now here's where that matters. If the sun were a little bit smaller, let's say the sun was the size of of 90% of the other stars in our solar system, then the earth would have to be closer to the sun in order for us to even survive. 
But if we get closer to the sun, the gravitational pull of the sun would lock our planet into place and half of the earth would be scorched and lifeless and the other half would be frozen over or dead. Now again, I'm not going to take the next hour or two to talk to you more about how all this works. I mean, the rotation of the earth, and gravity, and think about our atmosphere and how it is all held together, the right amount of the right gases, otherwise we would not be able to breathe. God is saying to Job, you get this, Job? You understand what life is all about? Life is really about trusting in a God who made the universe and who made us. The father of rocket science, Dr. Werner von Braun, he came to this conclusion. He said, as I became exposed to the law and order of the universe, I was literally humbled by its unerring perfection. I became convinced, von Braun said, that there must be a divine intent behind it all. And he goes on to say that my experience with science has led me to God. But must we really light a candle in order to see the sun? I love that statement that he made. Must we really light a candle in order to see the sun? No. It's obvious. The sun is there. I want to take you quickly to Psalm 19, where David proclaims these words. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Catch that. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. If you're not sure there's a God, I invite you to go outside on a dark night and find a spot away from all the lights and look up at the sky and look at the stars. I remember as a young kid, we went out camping. Our, our family didn't camp much, but this was one of those camping trips. And we were away out from the city. And I actually, I think I was in the fourth or fifth grade, I actually looked up and I was overwhelmed by the stars in the sky. I just thought to myself, well, and actually at first I was a little scared because I lived in the city and never saw that many stars before. And it was like, it was like the psalmist David those stars began to speak to me about a greater person than myself, about somebody who was, well, infinitely far more wonderful than me. The Creator, God Himself, who actually, let me paraphrase, He just put His hands in His pocket and He threw the stars in the sky and He gave them all a name. I thought, wow, look how many of them there are. He's powerful. He's in control. He knows how to spin the earth and how it needs to change its spin. Again, there's so much I could tell you today. But I challenge you, go outside and let the stars speak to you. Go outside and go next to the ocean as the waves crash against the shoreline. 
And they know exactly when to hit the shore. And then see, if you don't begin to hear even creation speak to you, not about itself, not about Mother Nature, but about Father God. See, if I were God, I would do things differently. You might too. But what we would do would not be right. You see, Job is feeling that. I could control things. But remember this about God. He sees what we can't, and He knows what we don't. Should He somehow reveal the answers to us and let us see the plan unfolding throughout history or throughout the future, we wouldn't be able to understand and comprehend it anyway. It's so big. It's so vast. I oftentimes tell people that that God will just give you a little bit of understanding, kind of like the crumbs along the trail so you'll know which way to go. If God told you all about next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, your brain would explode. It would be too much. You see, I don't want to worship a God that I can figure out. I don't want to worship a God that that, that I have to question at every point. And that is usually, usually spurred on by our worry or by our lack of faith, our lack of trust. God, I want to question you at every point. No, 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 that's not trust. That's not faith. You're not in control, and you never were. Job 42.5, God, my ears had heard of you before. Before all of this, but now my eyes have seen you. Job's world has fallen apart. And he went from hearing about God to seeing God. He went from knowing about God to knowing God. It changed his relationship with his God, a God that he already worshipped. And that's my prayer for you and for me. That in the midst of this season, we would stop pretending like we should know it all and really start trusting God like never before. He gives us His Son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for you and for me. Why? Because humanity was out of control. It started with Adam and Eve. I want to blame them, don't you? (laughs) It started with them. But by the way, if Adam and Eve never came, And Bernie Fetterman showed up. Because of my sin and disobedience, Christ would have had to come and die for me. And you know, you know in the honesty of your moment that you've violated God, that you've thought thoughts you shouldn't think, you've you've done things you shouldn't do. And this God, who made the heavens and the earth, allowed His Son Jesus to come to earth for us, to die for us, to reconcile ourselves to Him. That's His design. Salvation is His design. And salvation has a designer. And His name is God. And He allowed His Son Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life. What's keeping you from trusting Him? What's keeping you from believing in Him? In the crisis of life, Job was able to see God. May that be true of you and true of me. Let's pray together.
God, I thank you for the fact that you deeply care about each one of us. Sometimes it may not feel like it, but you do. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't understand it, you're still at work, and you're at work on our behalf. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Our perspective is limited, but your perspective is eternal, and you're working things out to accomplish your ultimate purpose. In all that we're facing, God, may we not just know about you or even hear about you, but may we know you like never before and see you in our midst. You have forever demonstrated your power, your control, but also your compassion and your love. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins and to live in our hearts. And God, I would pray for those for those who are watching, those who are listening, and who are wondering if you're real, that they would reach out to you, the God who made all that we could see, and put their trust and their hope and their faith in you, that they would believe in Jesus Christ who died on a cross and rose again from the dead, and they too will be saved. Nothing can escape the love of God, the power of God, and the grace of God. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to grow in the Lord, and let's continue to see God in this season, looking for his presence and not his absence. God bless you. Have a great week. And if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.